crazy flock and a happy new year and a late Merry Christmas. This is Ian Gaio Loco here from Crazy Poultry Inc. with another One Bird Flying Solo reviews. I have a number of movies right now that I've seen in the past week to almost two weeks now that finally gonna get out some of my thoughts and reviews of them. Uh, and a quick message, yes, it is the start of 2020, and we haven't done a best of and worst of 2019. It's because out here in the in the Midwest of Indiana, we don't get every movie. And we also get only movies that are released worldwide, like 1917, one of the biggest ones that we're waiting to go see. And we're not going to get to see it until another week, so... We're going to be doing our best and worst of the year after that stuff and we get to finally see them. But in this uh, One Bird Flying Solo of Reviews, I'm going to be talking about my thoughts on Bombshells, uh, Uncut Gems, Marriage Story, Little Women, Cats, and Rise of Skywalker. And the first in those reviews is a film called Bombshell, a film that I was actually really intrigued by. Uh, has Charlize Theron, Nicole Kimmon, Margot Robbie, John Lithgow, Kate McKinnon, and a bunch of other people that I didn't even know that were in it that I'm not even going to spoil because they, they were that surprising. Which is about a group of women that take on Fox News, so I'm always happy to hear about that. Uh, the head of Fox News, though, uh, Roger Ailes, and this was pretty damn good. Uh, I thought that Charlize Theron was amazing. She basically, in my opinion, almost transformed into Megyn Kelly from Fox News. Uh, Margot Robbie, I thought, was really good, and I see why she's also getting a bunch of award praises. Because there's parts that involve her being very uncomfortable that I really fell for her. Uh, John Lithgow I also thought was pretty dang good. In a fat suit too. Kind of reminded me of Gary Oldman from Darkest Hour. And uh, But I, I think a sleeper that people aren't really talking about. But maybe that's because more of the runtime put together is Nicole Kidman. I also thought that she did really well. It's just that... Then the bulk of it kind of more centers on the other two. Kate McKinnon, she actually shows up and gives a really good performance with some comedy, too. Um, and, you know, this is definitely based on actual accusations and something that actually happened with Roger Ailes and Fox News. Uh, now, did it, of course, go a little bit over the top because of the whole, this will kill Fox News? No, it did not. But that was centered around Roger Ailes' actual paranoia. And, you know, I just really enjoyed this. I thought all the performances were really good. That was a pretty good tight script. Um, it did also kind of give a bit of an insight into, you know, your initial thoughts on Fox News people. Maybe they're there because they just can't get any other job. So, kind of makes me be a little bit less harsh on them. Not the actual news station, Fox News. No, I'm never going to like that. 
but on the people maybe themselves a little bit. Um, it just kind of maybe suffers just a little bit of how much I may rewatch this, but I still think I actually might check this out a bit more, and I might buy this on Blu-ray, so, yeah. Uh, it's not gonna sneak its way into my top ten, but it might make it into my honorable mentions, if possible. So, I'm gonna give Bombshell a B+. And up next is movie I was really anticipating, even though I have still not seen Good Time, which I've heard is excellent, and that's Uncut Gems. Directed by the Safdie Brothers, starring Adam Sandler, who is a New York City Jew, Jew, jeweler who is always on, basically on the run and trying to figure out, like, how to pay off his bookies and stuff like that. It, there, there's a lot that happens in this, uh, but I think that this is maybe... Possibly Adam Sandler's best work. I have not seen him do a dramatic role like this in a while. I'm always happy when I see him do a dramatic role because usually I intend to remember those. Um, but that's not to say that this doesn't also have other credible acting movies. Uh, actress named Julia Fox. This is her, I think, maybe big break. She was still really unknown. Adita Menzel, I thought, gives pretty good... For this, you know, considering her last few stuff I've seen, she's always been voice work, so it was nice to see her actually do a live-action role. Um, I, I feel like I'm going to butcher your name. Lakeith Stanfeld, uh, guy from uh, Atlanta. I thought he, he's always great. He's also great and sorry to bother you. Um, but this is just like... Also, Kevin Durant. The biggest thing I was scared of I saw the trailers for this was, oh gosh, how much is Kevin Durant in this? He's in it quite a bit, but he's actually not bad. Uh, but this is just like relentlessly going. It's also testing your patience because another thing about this is that it felt like kind of real-ish because a lot of people were talking and it was kind of hard to hear some people say some stuff sometimes. Uh... But that just added to the chaos of this factor. And it's just a... You think it can't get worse, it kind of does for Adam Sandler's character. Um, and But you know you're watching him do stuff that you're like, this guy can, is like a real scumbag and stuff like that. But again, it's very well casted to be Adam Sandler because he can then come off being a very charming and good guy uh and this does have a gut punch for a finale which i will not give away um but this is probably going to be in my top 10 it's probably in my top three if not my top favorite adam sandler performances uh if this is not your kind of cup of tea i understand it uh, I still need to, though, check out Good Time because oh, I'm I'm kind of becoming more of a Safdie Brothers. I, I just can't believe how many brothers are actually working together. you think it'd be toxic, but it's not, apparently. The Russo Brothers and now the Safdie Brothers. Uh, so, yeah, basically, with all that just summed up, 
Uh, I'm going to give Uncut Gems an A. Up next is Little Women, starring Saoirse Ronan, Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, Eliza Sinklin, Laura Dern, Timothy Chalamet, Meryl Streep, Chris Cooper, and among other people. And this is directed by Greta Gerwig, who made one of my absolute favorites in a number of years now. That's Lady Bird, also with Saoirse Ronan, so that's why I was really intrigued by this. Um, this is based off of the book, Little Women, about Joe Murch's reflections on back and forth of her life, and then writing the book, but telling the story about how these sisters basically then turned out to want to live like how their life their own way growing up. And, yeah, this is definitely a very well shot film, very well directed. Uh, I think Saoirse Ronan gives a very good, well delivered performance. Emma Watson, I'm very happy to see being good again in a live action because the last thing I saw her in was Beauty and the Beast, which I did not like. Florence Pugh, however, she is, like, skyrocketing right now. She was in, like, multiple different genres this year, and she's proven that she's definitely a force to be reckoned with. I also thought Laura Dern as the mother was really good. Timothy Chalamet, I liked him, but it was on and off again. Uh, but I think that's what the character he was supposed to be. And this is basically... A chronological, it goes, you know, flashbacks and flash forwards and stuff. Um, and it's very depicting, like, you know, this is what the women had to go through in this time period, which they didn't have a whole lot that they could do, and which is a shame. Uh, Meryl Streep is, all, is always kind of basically like being the voice of, you need to marry well, find a rich man that will basically take care of you and stuff. But others want to go for more of their passion, that being Saoirse Ronan as Joe. Uh, Florence Pugh as Amy kind of really wants to be more of a painter, but she also understands the stuff about real life, too. Uh, Emma Watson's storyline, I felt, kind of didn't really, or wasn't that interesting, because it got resolved really quick. And... I'm not going to then dispute uh, the character Beth's, uh, played by Elsa, Eliza. It's just there. it's not a big timeline. It's a, it's a big deal as far as like the story with the characters, but it's not given a whole lot of time as far as with the runtime of this film. And that's kind of one of the other issues is that it can... Feel slow at certain points and it's not picking up that much and also another kind of factor for me personally as far as after viewing this yes I was happy that I viewed it once but will I feel like I personally will want to watch this again go buy this on blu-ray or something it without anything the production is fantastic everything looks great I just don't know if I'm gonna watch this again and that's kind of a big ding on it. But it's very well acted. Nobody sleepwalks. Meryl Streep is, again, <laughs> really good in every part that she's 
in in this movie, and all the actors and actresses are really great. Everybody's giving it their all. It's just the story that I don't know if I'll be revisiting anytime soon. So I'm going to give Little Women a B. And up next is Marriage Story from Netflix, starring Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson, and a few other people, but those are really the main people to focus on, because this is a telling of a marriage that is going through divorce. That's really a kind of the main plot. That's kind of all you need, really, because that's what this centers on, and... The biggest compliment I can give this film is that this just felt so real. This felt like a real marriage that's going through a divorce. It didn't feel like it was Hollywoodized, even though Hollywood is actually brought up because some of this takes place in California. Um, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, I think, give two of the best performances of the year. Uh... They have tremendous chemistry together, and as much as that they're parting ways and some, but you can see them like as like an actual couple about why they fell in love with each other and why they had a child and stuck through. But then you also find out why that they aren't gonna be meant for each other because, as we all know, fifty percent of marriages in the U.S. end in divorce. So. You kind of need to see that a bit more. Uh, and it does a really great job, balance-wise, at not making one person the real bad guy. Because they both have faults, as far as what you're given. You're given both sides. Now, it does feel like you're given a lot more from Scarlett Johansson's point of view, but then you're also then given Adam Driver's point of view, too. Oh, and then Ray Liotta is also thrown in there as a lawyer. Laura Dern again showing up is really good in this and is a lawyer too. I mean, I could see why some people could watch this and be like kind of bored maybe um, because of how blatantly just non-spectacular like effects driven and stuff like this, but I love when things just feel very real and visceral. There's not a giant over-the-top moment. You could make the argument there is one at the end, but I felt like that was kind of earned and that would, would happen, actually, at some point in reality. But I honestly don't feel like I have a whole lot of criticisms to knock on this. The only one that could come to my mind is... Will I rewatch this anytime soon? And then, like, the only other thing for me is if I want to, it's on Netflix, so I would have to hope my internet connection is good at that day. Um, but this has maybe some of the best acting all year. I think Scarlett Johansson and both Adam Driver deserve to be nominated for this. And it's a very well-told, simple story that is just so grounded in realism, I can't stop praising it. So I'm going to give Marriage Story an A+. Now up next is The Nightingale, 
which I doubt most of you have heard of, or if you have heard of, I'm sorry if I offended you in any way, but this is the follow-up from Jennifer Kent, who made The Babadook, which is one of my definite all-time favorite horror movies of the past decade, um, and this technically came out late 2018, and it's like home area of distribution, but then it got a world release into the States the beginning of this year, and I, of course, had no theater around me that was showing it, but I heard about it from some YouTube videos that I watched and some other people that I listened to talk about it, so I finally was able to track it down, and I remembered to re-watch it before this year ended, and I saw it on Amazon Prime, and whew! This is something. This is set in 1825. Yeah. We're going like almost witch time. Um, with a woman named Claire, who is an Irish... I believe her actual title of this is that she's known as someone's nightingale because she is literally their property. And that's played... And that's played by Sam Cunliffe, Sam Califin, if I'm saying that right. He's from the Hunger Games, and he's an English officer. Now, she also happens to be married and has a child, too. And this turns into a revenge story from her going up against him, him being Hawkins, the English officer, and... This is dark, intense, and I could understand if some people probably couldn't get through this because you're wa you're watching it, and I believe it's like the first twenty so minutes. There's something that happens, and this what's happening in the surroundings. You're just like, okay, well, can't get worse than this, and then something happens. And you're like, what? It gets very dark, bleak, and maybe some of the most disturbing imagery I've seen all, all of two, 2019. And yeah, it was questioning that boundary of how much could I actually want to continue. Um, but I grew to actually really like Claire rooting for her. Uh, it does have a few things because of the time period that it might be little off for people to understand or accept, but that is the time period that it's set in. And uh, if I could think of criticisms against this, um, it's over two hours long, which normally is not a giant thing, but with the subject matter, it maybe could have been shorter because there's also times where it's a dream she has. I think it happens just one too many times. I think they could have done it without one that happens. And the third act kind of drags, but it has a very good, satisfying conclusion. And then it has a very uh, artistic ending. So I could understand it if it's not up your alley, but I want to applaud Jennifer Kent for this because she 
is a fearless director in the horror genre right now. And I will definitely be watching out for her next work. So I'm going to give The Nightingale an A-. minus. Cats was a film that I saw in the theater. <laughs> yes, this has been rated online, talked about constantly, so why not would I go see this to talk about? Cats is a film version of a musical that is either loved or hated, so there's already a great start, um, which is about the Jellico Cats and the head of the Angelical Cats picks one to be reincarnated to live a new cat life. That is what I got the basics of this musical. Uh, I am still just blown away by <laughs> that this was in theaters. Uh, this has Atria's Elbow, which I was just like, what? James Corvin. Rebel Wilson, Judy Dench, Jennifer Hudson, Ian McKellen, uh, and, and and there is also Taylor Swift and Florence Hayward, which I believe this is her debut. Uh, directed by Tom Hooper, who hasn't made my favorite films, but he he's made competently directed films before. And is what what this is so insane. This just feels like you're on drugs, LSD, and you're just looking at a blank screen, and that's what you're seeing. Because if you weren't high seeing this, you maybe get bored at certain sequences, but then really surprised by the choices made and what in the hell is this the CGI doesn't look as bad as the first trailer the first trailer it looked awful um, but it's just like there's a few moments where there's speaking parts but the rest of it is definitely just songs and they're just like introducing characters and singing and there's stuff in those sequences that are just befuddling to talk about and to think about in ways of a narrative and con conception-wise. Uh, and this, I know this was distributed by Universal, but what is up with everybody doing the Thanos dust thing? Because this even happens in this, but apparently that also happens on the stage from what I have briefly seen yeah this is not one that's easy to talk about by yourself if i'm going to talk about this i want you know multiple people to talk about that i've experienced it i really only know nick because he went with me and who uh that yeah that was an experience the only real compliments though that I feel like I can give this is it went full th force with what it was gonna do and Jennifer Hudson at least has a moment that made me feel 
not disturbed, but I actually cared about something. It just then got undercut by everything around it. And the ending was just... What? That's just this big whole movie. This whole movie is just a big what. Uh, it doesn't work on every level. Uh, if I ever want to force somebody to watch this, especially for a Rotten Egg special, that's the only other way I'm going to watch this. Uh, it's, without a doubt, going to be on my worst of the year list. But you may be surprised at where it ends up. Uh, but I am going to give Cats an F. And up next... And finally is Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Now, one small thing about this is that, for me, especially what I've seen, Star Wars is very hard to talk about now, especially online. Uh, you can even go back to, while it wasn't as big, Force Awakens, while it got more positive feel from everybody... Um, there were still those few that were like, oh, well, it's just a retread of New Hope. Um, but they still didn't say that the quality of it was really that bad. Last Jedi, that split the fan base. Uh, it made it very toxic. And ever since then, I just... I really haven't really wanted to talk about Star Wars that much. Uh, because I'm afraid what will happen. <laughs> um... And that was part of the fear for me going into this, is like, well, while I didn't necessarily love Last Jedi, I still really liked it. I liked the seeds that it planted, and certain character stuff, even though people weren't fans of, and didn't necessarily want, I felt like it was a very unique and different look into the Star Wars universe. So, because of that reaction from fans, Ryan Johnson is, of course, not back, and J.J. Abrams comes back in. Um, and this is so hard to talk about without spoiling anything. And I know that, you know, the movie's now been out for a little while, and people have already talked about spoilers, but I still don't like to do spoilers, really, on this as far as reviews. But the toughest part about that is that I also can't talk about why I I just couldn't really get into this one. The story just is just bad in my opinion. It's just a fan fiction made script because they took everything that Last Jedi sets up from Force Awakens, and then just says, nope, we're not doing that anymore. And even if I personally felt like that they were a compelling narrative for the Star Wars universe, they completely scrap it. The Crawl even starts it in it with a dialogue that is just, like, what? And, yeah, the one thing that I'll definitely get in is because it was brought up in the trailer... And that's Palpatine is back. And what they do with that... I... I, I just can't believe it. Um... The... Oh, the main positives I can give this is... It still looks really great. Uh... The characters I feel like are still... 
I care about. However, some definitely got the back hand as far as the series continued. Um, the most consistent character that I care about and that is my favorite character throughout this new trilogy is Kylo Ren, played by Adam Driver. I think he's excellent. It's an excellent character. Daisy Ridley, I thought was very well set up in Force Awakens. I even really enjoyed her in Last Jedi. I didn't like her that much in this because the story then just makes her a whole plot thing. And this doesn't feel like they knew what they were doing as far as a narrative. That there was a precise, this is what we're doing, this is what we're telling. Because the original trilogy has that. You can even say the prequels have that established and they follow through with it. This one... This new trilogy feels so messy that they didn't know what to do. And it's just baffling to me. Um, I do not mind talking about this more with a group, but I can't talk. I just don't want to talk about Star Wars, really, unless I know it's going to be civil. Because that is the thing. People have become very divisive about this. And even the critics' reaction to this wasn't as kind as the other two. And people were a little bit taken aback to that. But this is the realm of Star Wars that we're now in. And this just felt so safe. Where at Last Jedi was taking chances. Yeah, I don't like and I can't stand the casino parts with Finn and Rose... But, I don't know. I'll maybe find stuff to enjoy about it more when it comes out on Blu-ray, because I know I'm going to probably get it to, to basically be part of the collection. But, as far as the newest stuff that has been released from Star Wars, Mandalorian is still my favorite now, and I still haven't even really finished it. i still got two more episodes. But, this just felt so fan y that it was basically trying to be like, hey, like us again. It wasn't just, it wasn't anything like Avengers Endgame where it made sense to the plot. This felt like pandering. I cannot say that as a whole made film that it's worse than some of the prequels, but in my opinion... I'll actually like Revenge of the Sith more. And maybe that's something that we'll also do. We'll, maybe we'll do top 11 of the theatrically released live-action Star Wars. But this is one of the most disappointing movies of 2019 for me. And I'm going to give Star Wars Rise of Skywalker a C. So, guys... Those are my thoughts and reviews on Bombshell, Uncut Gems, Little Women, Marriage Story, Night The Nightingale, Cats, and Rise of Skywalker. Uh, if you've seen those films, if you enjoyed them, totally fine. 
I am totally fine if you enjoy a film, even if I don't like it. That's one of the points about film that I like, and I love discussing it about it. Um, as I said before, we'll be working on a few things, because there's three things that are in the pipeline that are going to be happening on this channel coming up, and that's there's a new foul play that's getting worked out, there's another Rotten Eggs episode getting worked out, and of course, after next week, on the weekend, we'll be probably doing our best and worst of 2019 because we'll finally get to see a couple of movies that we really want to see, and that being 1917 and Just Mercy. But other than that, if you guys really enjoyed this and you want to help contribute, you can donate here through Anchor, and I really appreciate it. I also want to give another shout-out to the sponsor of this and that being Anchor. Uh, 2019, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it was a pretty good year for film. There was some trash, but there definitely was more treasure. Uh, but until next time, this has been Gaio Loco, Ian Novak here from Crazy Poultry Inc. One Bird Flying Solo Reviews. Until then, see you guys next time.